What matters most to us in times of consequence? Is it wealth? Is it prestige and power? Is it likes or favorites? To me, in my life, what I hope to center is that friendship, family, empathy, compassion, quirkiness, humor, and hope will win out even amidst the fray of this transient and turbulent life. My name is Rob Lee. I'm a pastor, a public theologian, and author working at the intersection of faith and public life. I want this podcast to be a place where I interview those people who are exemplifying what it means to exist with complete abandon in this life. I want to know more about how they view themselves, their craft, and the world in which they live so that we all can imitate them. Together, we can reteach the world its loveliness. I hope you'll join me. Oh, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. If you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be for me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. Welcome to the Beloved Journal. My name is Rob Lee. Uh, I'm the host of the program, and today on the show we have the Reverend Peter Wallace. Uh, Peter has been executive producer of Day One since March of 2001 and host of April 2005. Now, what is Day One? Day One is a preaching ministry for mainline Protestant preachers, and it brings together all kinds of preachers from all across the country and puts them on the radio in front of 200 radio stations nationwide, along with the podcast and other things that we'll link in the show notes. Uh, he's written in numerous books, which we talk about in the show. He is a priest in the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta, and a just wonderful human being who I've gotten to know over these years of working with Day One as an advisory board member, but also uh, just getting to know him as a friend. And so I'm grateful for this opportunity to share him with you, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Let's listen in. Peter Wallace, thank you so much for coming on Beloved Journal. Rob, my friend, it is so good to be with you. Thank you. Well, I am always happy when our paths cross. Um, before we get to the substantive questions uh, uh, of all that you do and, and, and what you're thinking about right now, particularly at this juncture in your career, I hope you might give us a brief primer on what the organization you work for day one does and how it impacts our world today. Uh, wonderful, I love talking about day one. I believe very deeply in its ministry. Um, it actually started in 1945 as the Protestant Hour. It was created by four denominational judicatories, uh, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Methodist, and the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, as well as Emory University and Candler School of Theology, Columbia Theological Seminary, and Agnes Scott College, which were the denominational, uh, you know, educational institutions. Uh, 
Um, so they decided they wanted to uh, create a program that would broadcast the gospel from their perspective. Um, and it began in the southeastern United States. We're based in Atlanta. We were on the air here on WSB radio and, and continue on WSB on Sunday mornings. Um, so, um, you know, it, it was kind of launched right at the uh, beginning of the mainline denominational uh, heyday of the of the late 40s and 50s after World War II and into the 60s. And of course, by the 70s and 80s, you know, um, denominational attendance uh, for the mainline churches was dropping. I came on in 2001. It was still the Protestant hour. By the way, I, I said the Southern Baptist Convention, they dropped out after the first year and went to uh, Fort Worth to start their own thing. And that's when the Episcopal Church, the Episcopal Media Center came on as our fourth uh, denominational entity. So um, the purpose is still to proclaim the good news of God's love for all uh, with the theological slant, the more progressive uh, theological slant of the mainline denominations. We've had quite a history since I've been here in terms of organizationally and in the in the church history and how how things have changed uh, so dramatically over the years. Uh, but our purpose is still to uh, share this good news. We're st we're still on over 200 radio stations. I think at the zenith in the 60s we were on about 600 and some, but. Um, we don't pay for any of that time, which is kind of astonishing in this radio market, um, but they all love the program because their listeners seem to love the program. But we're also um, on all podcast apps. Uh, we started up streaming and uploading the audio uh, onto our website back in the late 90s. And so that's grown into the podcast. And it's a slightly different version than the radio program. Uh, it streams, the transcript is on our website at dayone.org. So um, that's basically the heart of our ministry today. And, um, you know, I think it's very important because we so often feel like we're this lone voice of sanity in the, in the Christian so-called landscape of this time with um, so much toxic uh, conservative, white nationalistic Christianity, so-called, um, that is pervasive in the media. And we are presenting, uh, you know, the open door gospel for all. So, um, we, you know, we have, we have a very loyal audience. And um, the fact that we're on the radio, I still have people say, well, radio, isn't that dying? It's actually not. All the studies show that Radio is still the number one audio listening experience across all age groups in the country. And the thing about radio is on most of the stations we're on are not religious. They are news talk or music or, or whatever. A lot of them are community stations. And so we get a lot of kind of accidental listeners who are exposed to this message and 
are either uh, angry about it because you know we're we're too liberal, or uh, they are uh, engaged because they didn't know there was a, a Christian voice like this. You know, so it's that's amazing. Kind of the yeah, yeah, it's amazing. You know, I, I spent uh, I've been on day one. I serve on uh -huh. your listening listener advisory. I, I serve on something, the advisory board, advisory council. Yeah, thank you, thank you for. Uh, <laughs> I love I love getting to do that. But but I think my favorite story with day one is, you know, of course, I'm accustomed to hate mail and getting hate mail yes. of all kinds, which I do get yes. sometimes when I'm on day one. But 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 what, there was one particular sermon I preached for day one and your office forwarded me a letter that a woman who had to have been in her 80s wrote and to me and, and, and was uh -huh. thanking me for preaching a sermon and what she found meaningful about the sermon. And that, to me, you know, was a sign not only of God's resiliency, but God's uh, unwillingness uh, to give up on us. Yes. Uh, you know, and I thought that was beautiful that you have this this group. And, and there are some very loyal listeners to day one, as evidenced <laughs> by your uh, board as you walk into your office there and you see all the letters of people saying all these amazing things yeah. about what day one has done. And so that that is that is a gift that that I'm sure will cherish for years to come. Um, but but you came to day one, as you said in 2001. I did my research, went went and looked on the <laughs> website and saw when it was all those years ago. And, and and it was announced recently that you're planning to retire, uh, whatever that means later <laughs> this year. It's been a ride, hasn't it? Um, tell us about your journey that brought you to day one in the first yeah. place. Um, I am a Methodist preacher's kid, and growing up in West Virginia, where my father and grandfather were uh, pastors, the Protestant hour was a huge uh, thing in the Methodist church. I mean, I heard about it a lot. I'm sure we listened to it. Um, but um, so it was kind of in my DNA that this was an important thing. My journey kind of was quite a meander um, as God kind of led me around. And of course I fought and went in other directions for, for a while and then came back. Um, but I, uh, I, was, uh, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary and earned a, a Master of Theology there uh, back in the early 80s. As you know, that is a very conservative, independent, uh, uh, dispensational uh, seminary, but it was an excellent experience. I loved my experience there. I was there for five years uh, and uh, came to Atlanta in 84 as uh, editorial director of Walk Through the Bible Ministries, which was Bruce Wilkinson's organization. I was in charge of their uh, monthly devotional magazines and worked um with the president's uh, Skunk Works team to do some videos and other special projects. But it, it was a difficult time because, um, I mean, I want to be kind in how I say this, but I realized more and more that I was not a fit there theologically or any other way. And at the same time, the church that I had gotten involved in was uh, going through some uh, very dysfunctional things and kind of had a crisis of faith, which eventually led me to the Episcopal Church uh, going one Sunday morning, kind of as a last 
I had nowhere else to try to go to church, it felt like, and I felt immediately at home uh, with the liturgy, the smart preaching, um, just just the whole atmosphere was like night and day to what I felt like I had been in. So that, um, I left walkthrough, I worked for a wonderful uh, man who had a, an advertising agency, Larry Smith and Associates here in Atlanta. It's no longer in existence. Uh, Larry was a fantastic boss. I went there to kind of lick my wounds and find out what God had for me next. And I was going to be there maybe a year or two. I ended up staying there 11 years <laughs> because it was such a creative, fun, challenging environment. And we did a lot of fun stuff, not only for some secular clients, but for uh, Christian organizations and publishers. Um, but I really, toward the end of that, I was really feeling um, adrift again, because I really wanted to use my, I had a sense of call for communications, um, even though I was ordained by a Bible church in Dallas when I graduated from Dallas. Um, I never felt a call to pastoral ministry, but to communicating the faith. That's why I went to seminary to kind of learn the languages and 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 all that. So um, so I really wanted to do that, and I didn't quite know how to go about doing that. Uh, I talked to my rector at St. Patrick's here in Atlanta, where I'm actually come back to help out as an assisting priest. Um, this was great temple, and he was such such a mentor to me. Um, during those years and he's he told me about the Episcopal Media Center and it sounded intriguing I had lunch with the the president of this little organization uh, Skip Shooting um, the Episcopal Media Center as I said was the Episcopal component of the Protestant hour but the uh, Episcopal Media Center did a lot of um, they did video series for churches they also were co-producers of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, the animated program, and a series of Chronicles of Narnia uh, on the BBC in the 80s and so forth. So it was kind of an interesting place, but he didn't have any room for me. <laughs> so, but he said, you know, the, after a year or so, he said, the Protestant Hour is looking for a new person. And I said, that would be awesome. So I applied uh, I have to tell you the story. Another mentor of mine was Bishop Bevel Jones, who's a United Methodist bishop. He was on the board of the Protestant Hour. And I was being interviewed by him, uh, among other trustees for this job. And he kind of asked me, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but he said, he was kind of asking me who my people were, you know. <laughs> uh, he knew I was a Methodist PK. And I said, well, Bishop, you know my father, Aldred Wallace. He said, oh, you're Al Wallace's son. When I was in high school, uh, Bevel Jones had come to my dad's church to do a revival and uh, uh, got to know my dad and, and was, and, and uh, so they were good friends. So he, so I think that's why I got the job because Bevel Jones was on the board um, because I didn't really have any experience in managing a nonprofit organization or even in radio, although I had done radio commercial productions and things. Um, so it was quite a stretch for me, um, uh, but I got the job started uh, in March of 2001. 
Well, you know, Bevel Jones is uh, royalty, uh, yes. at least in my, where I'm from. Uh, yes. Here in North Carolina, Western North um, Carolina, bishop. He, he was right. he, he he was he was the bishop of Western, right. the bishop of Western. He was just an amazing, amazing man. What and, a gift uh, to the church. Yes, um, you know, it, it's interesting when I think of day one. As a young preacher, who grew up in a very conservative county, I was preaching sermons in middle school. That's when I preached my first sermon. And I remember it was probably the second or third sermon that I discovered day one. Yeah. And I realized, oh, my gosh, there are other people like me who like to preach, but feel that preaching is both an art and a communicative act. And homiletically, there's a there's a form to it and a shape to it mm-hmm. and a way that we see the world. And it was so liberating to have that as a gift. Because the preaching where a lot of us are from and where a lot of the times day one is broadcast is very different than what you hear on day (laughs) one on Sunday morning when it's broadcast. But, you know, Peter, you as a person to me are also equally interesting as day one. You are one of the few people who have come on my podcast who have authored more books than I have. <laughs> I think Sam, I look back and I think Sam Wells and Will Willimon have both. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have oh, yeah. There. Uh, Will Willimon puts out a book a week. Um, Everybody. Why, why so many? Why so many? What has inspired you to write these books and how the heck do you do it? <laughs> well, it, you know, it goes back to my calling. I really uh, felt a, it goes back to fourth grade vacation Bible school when Mrs. McElvain had us create a newspaper with our little pencils and crayons on a big sheet of newsprint as though it were being published in St. Paul's time. And I had a blast doing that. I did the headlines. I did the ad for the uh, chariot. I did a little comic strip about a Roman centurion. And, but the headline was about Paul getting all, all kinds of trouble. Something clicked there, and that's why I went into journalism as a degree at Marshall University. But I always knew that my faith was so important to me that that's what I, that was my outlet. And so even though I worked for a newspaper out of college for three years, the West Virginia Hillbilly, by the way, uh, and it was a fantastic, fun time, but I just felt that calling. And so it was kind of fortuitous for me that when I was working for the advertising agency and we worked for numerous Christian publishers, that that's how I got my foot in the door. And I, I um, made a proposal for a page a day devotional book, uh, what Jesus is saying to you today to uh, an editor at uh, one of the publishers. And I didn't hear from, didn't hear from, I'd written one page as a sample And then one day in the mail, I got contracts for three of these 366-page books, one on Jesus, one on the Psalms, one on the Old Testament, and I had to write them in nine months. I had a full-time job at the ad agency. But I I can't tell you how I did it, Rob, but I I got those out, and people who have discovered those, they're they're long out of print, very helpful it kind of had a a a sparse advertising copy kind of approach 
But I, I went through and, you know, went through the Psalms, went through the Gospels, or well, two of the Gospels, and, uh, and then some of the Old Testament uh, stories. Well, then, you know, that kind of, now as a published author, uh, the publisher had to suddenly retrench all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know if I put them out of business or what. Uh, but, um, but that kind of led the way. And then when I became an Episcopalian, I started uh, writing some devotionals. So, I, I, you know, I, I like to take like a book of the, the book of John or a, um, some kind of theme and, and just play with it. My latest book from Ford Movement Publishers is called A Generous Beckoning. And the, and the hook there is I went through and, and identified a lot of verses throughout the Bible in which God speaks in the imperative case. So God is speaking to, we can say us, it's obviously to the original audience, but let's hear what God has to say to us um, you know, it's a command, it's a, it's an imperative, it's, it's an urging, it's an invitation to, to full life. So I had a blast writing that and, um, found all kinds of <laughs> verses in which God is talking to us. What a concept. So, um, I actually during, during the pandemic, well, no, actually about a year ago, I started playing with Ecclesiastes which I felt is just exactly where we are in our culture. Um, the vanity, the, the, it's, it's just uh, depressing. So what, can, what light can we gain from that? Now, I don't know if I'll actually finish it, but I'm working on it. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, you ask how I do it. I just, you know, I, 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 work, I get up early. And I'll do a little writing. I may uh, I work on Saturday or, or whatever. So I just, it just seems to come together. What has been your favorite book to write? Which I know is an impossible, like if someone asked me that, I wouldn't answer it because it's impossible <laughs> to answer. But do you have a favorite book that you've, you've written? Um, I, you know, that I think my favorite was the only book that is really more of a book than a devotional. It's called The Passionate Jesus. And um, in it, I look at some of the emotions the human emotions that we all have and trace them in Jesus's life and ministry, anger, grief, joy, uh, you know, all, all those kind of emotions and really did a deep dive into, into some of the texts and, um, and, and, and came out. This, I, I just love the fact that, you know, when you really look at the gospel texts, it, it, sometimes other than, you know, John four, when he's really angry and whipping uh, the money changers, there's, there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, clear descriptions of Jesus' emotions, but you read between the lines. And um, I think you can imagine with holy imagination, what Jesus was expressing and how he was expressing it. What that does is make him more relatable to us more human. Yes, he was fully divine, but also fully human. And I, I just find that very motivating to me to help me understand my own emotions, you know, how to live them out in, in proper ways as, as Jesus did. And, um, you know, 
people that people have told me they they really like that, but uh, it's it's kind of a uh, you know it's it's still available, but it's it's just never really went anywhere. <laughs> but it's kind of my my favorite. Well, I love that, and I, I love that even amidst it all, you've you've been able to write so many books. Um, you know, with day one, you've been able to interview many of the great preachers yes. of our age. And I'm not going to ask you which one was your favorite because I think I'd make <laughs> a lot of people on the advisory council mad uh, because naturally it'd be me. Um, but what has it been like to play witness to that level and caliber of preaching? I mean, preaching that is just way beyond anything you or I could ever do. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the names that come to mind, I'm not even going to name them because they come to mind and it's just, you could, we could spend the, the rest of the podcast naming this great, yeah. these this great litany of saints who have, come into that recording booth with you and have offered uh, God's word to God's people. What has that been like? How has that impacted you? Oh, Rob, that, that is, to me is the biggest joy. Uh, you know, over the years, we've had so many challenges uh, at this organization, um, just trying to survive. And thank God, God has always been able to, you know, provide, but Working with the preachers makes everything else, you know, fade away. Um, uh, I can't tell you how, what an honor it is for me to, to meet these people, to get to work with them and then maintain, um, you know, a friendship with them because we've, we've had this experience with them sharing uh, the good news. Uh, I can't think of a single preacher in my 22 years that was a disappointment or uh, a jerk, <laughs> you know, to work with. I, I mean, these people are the real deal. They, I mean, they are the real deal. They, they speak what they believe. They are authentic. Um, and, and they are creative and gifted. And to offer them this platform for radio and podcast and all that is, is just an honor. As you say, I, I couldn't begin to tell you how many. We have, we have some wonderful preachers coming up um, that since, I'm, since I am retiring, I wanted to have one more shot with them. And so we've got some good folks. And people can go to the website and see, you know, who, who the preachers are. But, you know, and Rob, you 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 capture this in your preaching. It's 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 personal. The thing about preaching on this program is it's it's very different because you're you're preaching, you're talking, you're communicating with the one person or the two people or the family on the other side of the radio or the one person who's taking a walk, listening to the podcast, and it's a very intimate. Uh, engagement. It's not preaching to the ma masses, the vast radio audience, or a big congregation. Um, it's it's, and, and people sense that. I think they sense that these people are real. They're sharing something with me that's important. I I believe they are speaking from their heart. They're authentic, and uh, so it's a very powerful thing. Um, and um, I think I think you've experienced that from the other side, but um, 
yeah, it is just a joy. It is just the, the, the deepest joy uh, to work with these wonderful folks. You know, uh, I mean, the program goes back 78 years now. Um, we have a Lilly Grant um, in the Compelling Preaching Initiative, and we only have um, our programs up from 96 on in the on the website. So we're going to have the entire breadth of Protestant Hour and Day One programs on our website as a result of this grant, and, and as well as some other fun projects that we're working on. So, 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 when Peter, when you retire later this year, you're going to eventually turn in your keys at some juncture. What will you miss most about Day One after you the lights have been turned off in your office and you've moved on to what's next for you? Well, um, two things leap to mind. Um, one is working with these preachers. I will probably be doing a little behind the scenes work in terms of scheduling preachers for a while as we transition uh, to the future. But the other thing is, is our amazing staff and our board, particularly our executive committee that works so hard day in and day out in helping move this organization uh, further. Our chair, Dr. Jennifer Friday, is just a wonderful friend and an amazing leader. Um, but, you know, I want to say something about our staff. We have a tiny staff and they are mighty in the Lord. Um, Donald Jones, who you know, Rob, um, is our production director of production. He does the recording. He does the editing. We do the radio version and the podcast version and, and uh, some other stuff too. Donald has worked with this program since the, uh, well, for over 30 years. Uh, he started during the tape days and he used to cut the little pieces of tape to edit the program together. So he's very happy for computers. But Donald is just the most consummate professional and a dear friend. And he puts his heart into this program and, and listeners and program directors at radio stations know that this is a beautifully produced program. In fact, one of the radio station managers told me, he was from Texas, he said, this is the best sounding half hour of our entire week on our station. I don't know what else he was <laughs> broadcasting, but, but you know, that just means so much. And uh, Donald's going to be sticking around for uh, a few years more. So I'm grateful for that. Ethel Carter is our administrative assistant and works half time. She also manages the regional council of churches of Atlanta and does uh, a very vital newsletter for them. But she just, she will do anything and everything uh, to make sure that this um, ministry runs so smoothly. Um, I mean, we have we have our transcriber, Mary Lynn Darden, who faithfully takes the final edited audio and compares it to the sermon script and and makes sure the transcript is accurate as it was delivered. She's done that for several years. Um, and Lanier Quant's our bookkeeper. Uh, just, I mean, these people are just fantastic, gifted uh, people who believe in what we do. And that just makes such a, a difference. So coming to work with them 
is always fun and meaningful. And, um, you know, I'll be around some, but uh, that I'm, I'm going to miss them a lot. On a completely personal note, um, I am thankful for your witness and your friendship and for all you've meant to me over the years and the generous invitations you've always provided to me to be on day one, along with your encouragement uh, in my life. But I also know that I am not the only person that you have gotten to hang out with with the last name of Lee. Um, you're a comic book guy. <laughs> Tell us about uh, your friendship with the legendary late Stan Lee. Oh, my. Um, that's a long story, and I won't go into much detail, but I grew up reading Marvel comics. I read them all, but Marvel was my favorite. I was a Marvel zombie, and I just admired Stan's writing. I learned vocabulary. I learned uh, Elizabethan uh, language in Thor, although it, there were some issues there at times. Um, and I just uh, thought he, I mean, he, I think he was one reason I wanted to become a writer and, and a communicator. Um, when I was working with uh, the ad agency, I happened to learn that Stan had left Marvel. He had StanleyMedia.com company and i learned that he was wanting to create what he called a christian superhero but what he meant was an altruistic positive you know uh role model for kids because superheroes had kind of gotten into the grim and gritty stage so i i found a contact there and i emailed and i said you know i've, I've had these the little devotional books published and and I, and I sent them in and I talked to this guy. His name was Tony Pastor. He did voice work for cartoons years ago, but um, he was a great guy, a uh, Roman Catholic. And he was he thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. So he, he took this to Stan. Um, we, we had a conference call with Stan. I mean, I was like Gaga. And I, they said, okay, we're gonna do this. We want you to be the writer. I wrote a whole uh, Bible about what this, he sent me a, a, a one and a half page description of this character. And um, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to write comics for Stan Lee. This is like my dream come true. And then um, it kind of went crickets. And <laughs> before long, the dot-com bust uh, hit old Stan and um that pulled the plug on the project. I was so disappointed. He eventually started another company out and was out in Hollywood. And I had a trip out there um, for day one. And I asked him, so we kept in touch by email. And he said, well, come see me. So I got to visit with him for a half hour in his office there and just, just had a blast um, telling him how important he was to me. Uh, but he was one of those who um, I, I felt uh, obviously, he uh, co-created all those uh, characters. He didn't do it on his own, but um, he was uh, so influential in the pop uh, culture landscape. Uh, but anytime I would send him an email about something that I would see that he was up to, um, he, he responded immediately uh, with very, very positive, uh, encouragement. And, um, I just felt like he actually, um, I sent him a copy of, 
of another devotional book. And I said, you know, our faiths may differ, but I hope you'll enjoy this. Of course, he's a, he was a non-practicing Jew. And, and he said something. He said, you know, the, the greatest words in the language are the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And he said, that's, that's true with any faith tradition. And that's what um, he wanted to kind of promote in, in some ways. Other than Stripperella, maybe, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Peter, let, we ask everybody this on the podcast yes. this season. We're asking everybody this on the podcast. Um, who is someone in, you, in your life that you appreciate and why? Uh, well, of course, um, my first response is my spouse, Dan Lay, who uh, is just uh, a wonderful, creative um, person. Um, my father, uh, who I mentioned earlier, was um, the United Methodist minister. And, um, you know, he formed me in, in so many ways. I think that a lot of what he did for me growing up resulted in my desire to be a, a communicator of the faith. Um, and of course, my dear mother. I mean, you know, all, all the important people. But I, I want to lift up somebody I mentioned earlier who had um, a profound impact on me, Gray Temple Jr. He was the rector of St. Patrick's when, when I discovered the Episcopal Church. And I realized in hindsight how much, how many seeds he planted in in my soul in my um, faith. He was the one that got me interested in the emotions of Jesus when he preached about them. He was. I remember one sermon very clearly where he said, "You know, Jesus joked all the time with these parables. He said people were laughing at some of the things he was saying." I thought I'd never heard, thought about that. So, but so many ways he planted seeds uh, in my soul that I think are still bearing fruit. He and uh, he still uh, attends St. Patrick's when he can. Uh, he's he's pushing eighty or beyond now. Um, and we had lunch uh, some months ago, and I just had the opportunity to tell him because I, I you know I went through a divorce in uh, two thousand four. Um, and uh, my ex asked me if she could have the church in the divorce. So I moved on to another uh, Episcopal church. So I, I kind of lost touch with Gray a little bit until I came back to, to help the new, the current rector. But I had that opportunity over lunch to tell him how important he was to me and, uh, and how I will always value the ministry that he had. Um, not only for me, but with so many. Um, he's written a couple of books that will just blow your mind, too. So, um, yeah. So, you know, that, that makes me think that, you know, sometimes we don't take the opportunity to go tell these people how important they are to us. And, and I was grateful for that opportunity. Well, if I may, Peter, you are very important to me, and uh, well, and you're very likewise, important to a lot Rob. of people. 
you have made you, a difference. You let me let my turn this, and then you can you, you can follow up if you want. This is, you're not you're not the one interviewing this time. I am so either right, you've made a difference. Yeah, yeah. You you've given so many people the opportunity to 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 speak their truth, to say the gospel from where they sit, and that in and of itself is a gift that. That, that you yourself have given through day one. And day one is certainly the conduit through it. Day one has been the agency by which that has been accomplished. But day one since 2001 has been at the helm. You've been at the helm of it. And for all of us, I know I speak for many of the people that I know and love who have been on your, your program. Um, just recently, I was with a, with a colleague and we were talking about you. And it's never that we've been disappointed. It's always been that we've been impressed by the way that you have brought out not only our voice in our preaching, but the message and the heart of it all and why we're here in the first place. And so your friendship, your leadership, but also the way that you have shown us the heart of God is, is, is nothing short of a miracle. And um, I know you've talked about miracles of Jesus before. Um, but but that that is a miracle of Jesus, the way you have shown us the heart of God and the love of God through this through this radio program, through this spunky, uh, tenacious, audacious little radio program that is still <laughs> spinning after and still crazy after all these years, as Paul Simon would say. That's right. Rob, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Uh, um, I deeply appreciate you. I'm glad for our friendship. I know we'll continue our friendship. Um, you, you are a hope for the future of, of the church and the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, and I'm, I'm so glad we actually recorded you the first time, even before you were on MTV, if you recall, I don't know how we got you because you, who knew who you were, <laughs> but look what I, I actually remember. I reached out to you on Twitter and said, I was a fan of okay. day one and you gave me a, like I looked back and. And you had given me a chance. I mean, that's that's the that's the other thing. You 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 you. There is no preferential treatment for you know the, from the presiding bishop to the podunk preacher from North Carolina like me. Now, granted, the presiding bishop's also for you know lives in North Carolina, so I can't <laughs> say that. So. Uh, but but yeah, and, and I mean that's the thing. That's the thing about day one is it it, it brings together a diverse group, and you've done just that. So, um, but before we go, before we go, how, how can we find day one? We've talked about this great organization so much. I would be remiss if we did not ask how to get in touch with day one and support day one. Well, thank you. Uh, dayone.org. You can use either a one or O-N-E when you spell it out. Uh, dayone.org. And you'll find there all the resources. They're all free. Um, tons of of sermon transcripts, as you know, preachers go back into our uh, lectionary-based sermons, um, and there's video and and articles and other things. There's a little donate button on there, uh, and there's also a sign up for our weekly email newsletter, so you can see who's who's coming up. Well, Peter Wallace, thank you so much for coming on Beloved Journal. Thank you, Rob. I love what you're doing, and I'm grateful to call you my friend. Beloved Journal is a podcast on a mission. Check out our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Today's podcast was hosted by the Reverend Rob Lee. Find him on Twitter at Rob Lee4 or on Instagram at Rev Rob Lee. 
You can find our social media on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Beloved Journal and finding our logo. Beloved Journal's theme music is a cover of the Golden Girls theme song done by Mipsa. Seriously, they're the best band in the world. This podcast was the dream of Stephanie Lee and was produced by Maggie the Golden Doodle and Frank the Poodle. Go show the world that it's worth fighting for. And as always, thanks for listening.